Um, if you're a guest with us tonight, special uh, welcome. Hello. Um, uh, great to be back in South Africa. I was away for the month of October. It was pretty funny. Well, not all of it was funny. There was like, I mean, a war broke out during that time. That was certainly not funny. Um, and very close to where I was away, uh, doing some family business and a break. So I Googled it and thought, if I were to drive to Tel Aviv, how far away am I? 500 kilometers. Like, hey, that's close. But um, it was also wonderful to be with family uh, on the Greek islands. I come back a little more Greek uh, than I was before. But it's very nice to be back in South Africa. Uh, the place is awesome here, and the people are so nice here. Can we say, can we say, the people are so... Don't be deceived. Very often, places that are nice have people that are not always as nice. So, so, so the beaches look amazing in Greece and whatever, and then like some of the locals are like, you need Jesus. You need to come to Africa and be in a church service and listen to the gospel and give your life to Jesus. You need, anyway, it's, it's, you need help. And then you come back here, and then the, the cricket's been going good, and then the rugby's been going amazing, and... I'm a little hurt, though, that your cheer for the Springboks is a little bit louder than any other cheer that you have had. Now, I know Jesus wins every day, and the Springboks don't always. I know that. But can we have you please cheering for Jesus at least at the same? <laughs> Cheap shot. Cheap shot. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Uh, he doesn't expect it, but there's a, a, a guest, I guess, in the hall at the back there. Marnie Botta, very nice to have you here. He's doing some work here, sharing his testimony. I don't want to reveal all of that within the schools. And as I was saying, I'm Greek, and uh, Afrikaans is the third language for me. No, I'm joking. It was great to have you. Uh, we're going to have coffee later in the week and talk about some plans from having your ministry here, ministering here. So thank you for, for popping in. Uh, really great. Um, I'm going to, if you were in the morning service, uh, I'm going to share uh, a little bit of the vision of the next 10 years, just a couple of images and ideas uh, at the start of my message. And then I want to go into the message. And my message title is, Why Are You So Quiet? And I want to try and answer the question, Are You Happy? from a biblical definition. And then uh, uh, create an opportunity to pray for you. And so I thought it would be better to do the, the um, vision-y stuff at the beginning so we can land on a holy moment. Is that okay? You okay with that? It's a bit of a different message if you're double dipping and came to the morning as well. Um, so in 2010, uh, 2010 Soccer World Cup, um, Father's House started. Um, uh, I had been pastoring at the university for many years, I don't know, 15 years, handed that congregation over, started another congregation with some people who used to be students in Richmond Hill in Central, and in 20, uh, 20, 20, 20, 19, 2020, we celebrated 10 years of existence in March of 2020, and then lockdown. And then for three years, it's been like quiet. It just as far as vision is concerned. But now we've, we've come out of that period of time, and I, I feel like it's time to start planning for the next 10 years. Now, if you weren't part of the first 10, because a lot of you look like you are 11 years old. If you weren't part of the first 10, let me tell you, it was extraordinary. We went into a building, 
um, lent to us by the Doxadeo movement. Uh, it seated 250 people. We were there one and a half years. We ran three services. The Engekat Germany, okay, it's a decode. That's Afrikaans preacher down the road. Was driving past. He phoned me, said, you guys are too full. I've got a spare Engekat building. Move over. We moved over. 500 and something seater. We ran five services at one stage in that building, also in Central. Uh, same street as all the rest restaurants, irritated the restaurants, made it in the paper for the first time, so exciting for noise pollution and general harassment of the neighborhood, uh, and then and then, and then we're like, you got to move, 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 you can't stay here, I mean, it is a bit much when you're doing five services, like the songs of worship just start at like 6 a.m. and finish at 9 p.m., but there's a guy who comes to the morning service, Um Andre, you must meet Um Andre, Um Andre sits in the second row over there, and Um Andre is awesome, because Um Andre lived in the apartment block next to the church and he was hurt and frustrated about God but he lay in his bed and after five services every Sunday Jesus got hold of him <laughs> sorted out his anger issues been in the front row for eight years now you can ask him he will tell you that story eight years and and one day <clears throat> Uh, one of the neighbors got upset. They were very unhappy with the church being so loud because we were happy and happy people tend to be quite loud. And then, and then they were like, we're going to lodge a complaint. And I said, um, Andrew, what must I do about this guy who lives in the same complex? He said, there's nothing you can do. You just pray him to move along. And he prayed, and that guy moved out. So anyway, if you need Andre to pray for anyone to move out, he's your man. You just move your neighbor along. Um, and then we got to this building, which was unused for four years, used to be a federated timbers building. And by the time lockdown came, we were running three services in this building at uh, 1,800 seats. So the morning service and the evening service is very different. So like, I feel like the evening service is sort of still finding its feet, and the morning service is sort of back to being almost a teenager in activity and energy. But I know that the Lord has reserved what's next to be greater than what's past because that's his nature. His nature is a restorer and a rebuilder and a grower and a better than. Can you say amen to that? And the biblical terminology is glory to glory. So I'm praying and trusting and moving things around on, on, in obedience to him on the, on the chessboard. And I, we have confidence that the Lord has something um, great planned. Amen. And so we're going to, um, in the process of those last three years, a lot of changes took place, not, not just lockdown. Um, things got old and tired, not me, but things. Um, and one of the things we had to do was take the name off the building because it was put on with vinyl sticker and after eight years, the sun baked it and it, it just looked terrible. And the landlord said, hey, we've got to paint it, take it off. So we took it off and they just you know, on my list for the next 10 years was new signage on the building. So people know where Father's house is, you know? And then, and then, how amazing is this? While I'm away, I had a conversation with someone who wants to stay anonymous. And while I'm away, Vince is texting me random, like, when exactly are you back? I'm like, I thought you would know that. But I had to move it slightly forward because of flight changes due to the war. He's like, okay, but on what day are you landing? Only to find out that Vince and this business guy had worked together uh, to put up signage on the bulkhead of the building that is also lit, uh, that turns on at night. It's probably an uh, 80,000 rand cost uh, sewn onto the building to get the name back on the building. I just am blown away. And I just want to acknowledge, I think that's amazing. 
And you'll see it. Now, you probably didn't see it coming in because you were focused on the conversation with the person in the car. But on the way out, just look up. And in general in life, wherever you are, look up. And you'll see it, and and the light. So that was on the list, and I think there's actually there it is. There's there's some. some how amazing! How amazing is that? You know, um, you, you, um, about uh, six years ago, this this particular man I'm going to talk about is in one of my men's groups, a business men's group in the morning. He'll tell you this testimony himself. Uh, he has actually. He and his wife were broken up. They weren't in a good space, and his life wasn't going in a good space, and. While driving his vehicle, he felt a prompting that he must get right with God and the other stuff will come right. And he thought, well, I, I haven't been in church in a while. Where am I supposed to find a church? And he was driving over the freeway and it said, Father's house. And he drove in here and he found out what the service times were and he drove back out and came back that Sunday. And he came to the service and he renewed his commitment to God. And he walked out of here and bumped into who? In Warehouse One Coffee Shop, his wife. And they remarried and they're living together and they're raising their kids and they're building a biblical life because sometimes it's useful to know where the light is. City on a hill, a lamp on a lampstand. And then the other thing that used to be in here, you don't know this because you're like 11, but we used to have 5,000 pallets here, shipping container pallets, and we used to have our chairs on them. And during lockdown, eventually the insurer said, hey, that's a fire hazard, we're not allowing it, take it out, 5,000. They're still in storage somewhere, you can't have them, you can't build a couch with them, it's a whole thing, it's very complicated. It's the same as, it's the, same as the ones out, oh right, okay, there it is. So we're going to go back to that, and not my size there, I was 10 kgs heavier there, and I've worked very hard. Uh, but on, on, the, on the seating, but the way we're going to do it uh, uh, in cooperation with the landlord is to use brick and mortar. It's the best way to do it. I know steel is an option. I know those retractable ones. We've tried it all. Trust me, this is the most cost effective. So it's going to look a little like this. We're going to put these in and then put chairs on that. And then we're going to do the same outside because those pallets are tied and the landlord wants us to remove them so he can... Uh, pave the entire parking lot with a fresh paving, remove the old tar. So we'll just do it outside there and then we'll put a stage there with a baptismal pond and like a little shade cloth thing there so the musicians can do some musical stuff out there and we can have outdoor concerty things and that photo comes from Cyprus. I just thought I would tease you uh, about that. And then uh, that what, what that'll allow is a, a large section at the back for further coffee shop tables and chairs. We feel like it's a bit fragmented between warehouse one and here. We want to make this more noticeable and expand it a, a bit. So we've had an architect do, do a plan for us and the plan's coming up on the image. That is 2,000 seats. The circular bits are terraced and behind it is new hangout coffee shop and extended area. There is a little square at the bottom right of the screen and that little square is warehouse two. This uh, vision is the next 10 years. Warehouse two will be the same size as warehouse one but it'll be through that door over there and it'll become a new youth center because we think I knew, I knew 
Because you guys can't, you can't hold, hold yourselves in. But I don't think we can grow youth and share it with coffee shop and red band and, and. I think they need their own space. They need more lights than we have, more hazels than we have, more amps than we have. They just need to be loud and bold and stuff. So we're working with the landlord on that. And in the meantime, so... I'm inviting you to come on the next 10-year journey with us. It's only the beginning of the story. I'll share more every year, but we have to start somewhere and we're starting by taking, putting back all the stuff that was taken out and going at least there to go from there somewhere. Can you say amen to that? So, that's a lot. If you're wondering what Heart for the House is about, Heart for the House is an in financial investment initiative of this church. We've been doing it for 10 years. That's how you got, we got the seat you're on. And <laughs> it's a bit blunt. And um, it works like this. We do normal tithe and offering uh, and we commit that to the budget of the church and the work of the ministry to reach the lost and to offer services of faith to our community. But once a year in October, we do Heart for the House. And Heart for the House is an invitation to do a special, either once-off or debit order or continuous offering into expansion projects. And every year, people probably give about half a million to a million rand a year into that account. I don't know if you know that. Like just the generators that run the um, that run the church during uh, during load shedding was a kingdom investor of about five hundred, six hundred thousand. Somebody somebody did that. So so uh, uh, businesses get involved, individuals get involved from like five rand, fifty rand to um, hundreds of thousands of rand. Um, and we invite you to be part of it. And at the end of each year, we tell you what, what's come in and what we've done with it, and we start the cycle again. And there's a special category, those who, who uh, 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 contribute 1,000 Rand a month or more, 12,000 Rand a year, we call Kingdom Investors. We invite them to a dinner, and we say, here's what we're thinking. What do you think? We ask for advice. We ask for input. We ask for services they may have, contacts and connections with builders and people. Help us get it done. Oh, I mustn't forget, we plan to change the sound equipment and some of the the tech in the building, it's now over 15 years old. And, and, and if you want to know a miracle, you should know that it is miraculous that the sound system works every Sunday for 52 Sundays of the year. That uh, um, You have no idea the amount of prayer and faith that it takes a 15-year-old sound system with lots of repairs to do. So we're going to do all that. Now, if you're a guest or visiting, you're like, oh, I'm so fed up with happy, clappy churches and their money. So... Let's just go on to preaching. Are you okay with that? All the details um, for those of you into this, it's on your seat. Please get involved. Let's make it happen. And the, I am becoming for the first year ever a kingdom investor, not just the past year, because um, I have a BNB and it's been doing well and I'm going to take 12,000 Rand, which is less than one month's profit. I'm going to take 12,000 Rand. I'm going to sow it into Heart House and I am looking forward to the pastors inviting me to a dinner and asking for my input on, uh, I'm so excited uh, about that. I want to see them do it. Um, sh- can, we, can we jump into Scripture for the next 15, 20 minutes? There is a passage of Scripture. I encourage you to watch uh, the morning service or listen to the podcast if you can. I talked about, I guess, a prophetic warning I mean, it's so heavy. Gosh, I say it and I get a cold shiver myself. But like just a a caution about letting the world get louder while at the same time the church getting quieter. And the 
and the, there, is a, there is a dynamic at work there where um, you, you pull down the principles of faith and you almost shame and embarrass Christianity while the principles of the world get more and more out of hand and louder and louder, especially online and everywhere. And perhaps the season is now right for us to find our voice and shouted from the rooftops that Jesus is Lord and the answer to humanity's questions. I can stop asking questions and come to an answer. The answer is Jesus Christ. And that we should not be ashamed. We're back in that. Do not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, right? And so I'd like to encourage you to have a listen to that. This is sort of a, this is a personal shift on that message. In other words, it's personalizing it. So Isaiah 61, Isaiah 61 is the passage of Scripture Jesus chooses to read when he reads from the Bible uh, while he's on the earth. So uh, he goes to church, synagogue, and they say to him, read out of the Scripture, and he opens the scroll and he reads this. So it's a pretty important passage of Scripture. But in it is Jesus' mission statement. I'm just going to read from verse 3. But first one uh, it's, it, it starts there. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for He has appointed me, etc. But verse 3, to console. This is what Jesus will do for you. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. So in the list of things Jesus will do for you, for people on the earth, uh, his, his assignment, the thing that makes you different when you're a Christian, what will change in you if you're a Christian? One of the items on that list is this idea of a garment of praise instead of heaviness. I don't know if you've ever been in the room or in the car or in the atmosphere of a couple who are fighting. How many of you know what that's like? Now, don't tell me if it happened on the way here, because if it did, then this is a prophetic service. You came because the Spirit of God put something in my heart. But there's an awkward silence. How many of you know the awkward silence? Like, it's just not normal silence. It's silence with bitterness in it. Like, it's got a bite to it. And sentences don't flow well, and they don't end well. And usually answers come in one word answers, very incompatible answers. And you're very aware that you walked into a ticking time bomb, and you need to get out of here. And it can get so bad, I don't know if you've ever been, if you, it can get so bad uh, that it feels like you can't breathe. And it's, it's not even your fault. You're dying, but it's not your fault. You feel like you can't breathe. Well, that principle is what the Bible refers to as a spirit of heaviness. And it can happen to you in your relationship with God too. That you can't know, you don't know how it got there, but it got quiet. And you're not talking to him and you can't hear him talk to you. And a kind of heaviness settles in your heart that there is a loss of joy. And it's so powerful that David, the psalmist, he was also king and he had some girl trouble, but he got so bothered by it that he wrote in one of the psalms, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. 
actually, his wording was much more powerful than that. I messed it up. He said, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Because it is God who saves us. It's not my salvation, it's his salvation. And I just received a gracious gift fashioned by God, offered to me free of charge. In exchange for my brokenness, he gave me fullness of life. And David's going, I'm not as happy as I used to be. There's something between us and it's made our relationship awkwardly quiet. And I feel like I can't breathe. So Lord, please restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And I don't know if you've ever been there. And you're paging through scriptures and you nothing's jumping out at you. And you're blaming the pastors. You're like, you people need to hear from the Lord. And, and even, the, I mean, if the Bible isn't talking to you, let me, let me just explain to you, if the Bible isn't talking to you, there's not a preacher on the planet with a fancy haircut that's going to get through to you. Like, you need the Spirit of the Lord, the oil of gladness and the garment of praise. So this is what happens when our relationship with God and with people lacks joy and it lacks anointing, uh, the presence and person of the Holy Spirit, and it lacks praise and thanksgiving. And when you get into that space, you'll end up uh, drinking from the well. The Bible talks about this as drinking from the well of bitterness. Now, these are such big lofty terms, but I know you've drunk from the well of bitterness and you know people who've drunk from the well of bitterness. This is, what a, this is what it looks like. Let's take it away from biblical language and put it into everyday language. A person who drinks from the well of bitterness, or if you're in this space, can only think of the negative of every situation. Have you ever met somebody like that? Just the negative. Just like, I got a neighbor just like that. They're just, I'm, I'm trusting the Lord, not my immediate neighbor. Don't work out who it is. I got back, I bumped into them at the airport. I'm like, hey, it looks so green here. I'm so excited. And they're like, you've got to mow the lawn. And you know, that's true, you do. But I mean, take a moment and just praise. Like, yes, that is awesome. God, God might open a door of opportunity. You, you, you might have a, an awesome business opportunity. You're gonna, and then you're going to, a person who drinks from the well of bitterness will say, I, I wonder how long this will last. That phrase is, is, is the well of bitterness. Um, when something goes wrong or something goes right, you go, oh, it comes in threes. That's the well of bitterness. It's not wise. And what happens is you're not living in the celebration of joy. You're in a spirit of heaviness. By contrast, somebody drinks from a pure well, everything's positive. Oh my goodness, even bad stuff's positive. I dropped my coffee in and went all over my stuff. Oh, well, I get to buy a Seattle coffee after the service. Like, you know, do you know anybody annoyingly joyful? Annoyingly joyful? They, they, they're, they're so anointed by the oil of gladness. They're slippery. I guess they, I shouldn't have said that. They just, they, they just, it's the oil of gladness. You can't get them down. I think I referred to this a few years ago. I, I, I was, we were in this small group and a couple of young people and I, was, and I had a, a married couple there to share with the, the young people. And a young person said, well, how would you feel if your wife, the husband and wife are both there, if your wife cheats on you, 
How would you feel? And I thought, what? I don't know, what is he going to say? That's not a good question. And where does this go from here? And he said, I'd feel sorry for her because she'd lose me. Oil of gladness. I'm like, you know, because most people would be like, oh, I'd be broken for eight years. He's like, sure, sorry, babe, you're going to, I'm a, does that sound a bit too arrogant? I don't know, maybe. Pray about it. I'm single. What do I know? But I, I think, <laughs> I think though, if I have to choose who I want to hang around with, the person I default to is the person in the oil of gladness, not in the spirit of heaviness. I don't want to hang out with somebody who, who causes for me to also not be able to breathe. They're the two of us hyperventilating in the same room, fearful about the future. I, I, th- that is not an okay expression of life. It is, and you know, the thing is, you can have salvation and not the joy of your salvation. In Revelation, it's blunt. It says you can be saved, but you lose your first love, so you're lukewarm. And that's not a cool description. And God isn't judging us for that. He's telling us it's not pleasant. It's neither hot nor cold. It's sort of spittable. I won't put that into practice. Psalm 42. It says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go to meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throngs. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. That's such a cool scripture. In the King James, it says, why so downcast, oh my soul? He talks to his soul and he says, soul, snap out of it. Remember the joy of celebrating with God. Well, let's get back there. Let's put our trust in God and get out of the spirit of heaviness and get back to the joy of celebration again. And I want to say that to us and to you and to me. George, snap out of it. Why so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. South Africa, snap out. Well, you don't have to snap out of it. They did it for us yesterday. It might be short term though, so you've got to put your hope in eternal God. Can you say amen to that? Uh, I took the moment. There is, a, there is a kind of awkwardness that comes with that, that silence, the silence of disconnection or fighting or disillusionment, that eventually you don't know where your fight started. You're not even sure what you're fighting about anymore. It's just weird between you. And sometimes in our relationship with God, we, we, we're not even sure what we're unhappy about. It's just weird between us. And I really want to invite you back to God more closely than before. Because I, I, I want to tell you that God uh, is like a fire. When you are too far from him, you can see its light, but you can't feel its warmth. 
And sometimes in our Christianity, we can see the truth as light, but it is cold, and we can't feel the warmth of it. Do you say amen? And then when you get really close to God, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't tell you. Come back next Sunday for the next installment. When you get really close to God, the fire burns up the stuff that shouldn't be there. I and mean, that's tight stuff. That's like, I won't invite you to an altar call. Like, anybody want to come forward to the purging, burning? But you've got to get somewhere between too far that it's cold and too close that everything seems on fire. But you need the oil of gladness and the garment of praise. So the message has been entitled, Why So Quiet? And I just want to say, share three um, rapid-fire pieces of advice so I can close this close to six o'clock. Three rapid-fire pieces of advice. Um, hey, next week I'm starting to story. I'm interviewing people and hearing their journey with God and then teaching something that they've learned, teaching it from Scripture. So you should come. You totally should invite a friend. It's that kind of a series. And if you've got a radical story to share, you should offer to do it. That would be really great. Uh, Luke 19, 37. Uh, when he came near the place where the road goes to the Mount of, down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began uh, joyf joyfully to praise God and in a loud voice uh, about all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the house. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I've been using that uh, scripture uh, today because I want to encourage you, if the Lord has done some miracles, our natural healthy response is to give shouts of praise. And nobody should tell you to keep quiet. And nobody should steal the joy of your salvation. So three uh, rapid fire ideas. Number one, practice the principle of belonging. Belonging means what do I draw from um, when I respond? Let, let me read the scripture. Hebrews 10, 36. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And um, by my righteous one, uh, but my righteous ones rather will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. There's a, a little principle there. It says, don't belong to the crowd of people who are timid, but belong to the crowd of people who are bold. Uh, draw inspiration from from belonging to boldness, belonging to a, 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 the, the group of people who, are, who believe God will turn it around. End, how do you do that? End every sentence with, God's got a plan. End every uh, story with, I can't wait to see what the Lord's going to do with this. Put your trust in Him. Belong to those who believe, don't belong to those who shrink back. Secondly, praise boldly. Now, let me show you what I mean by that. Praise when it's illogical. It counts more than when it's logical. What do I mean by that? Well, when you, you know, if I gave you a car tonight 
I'm unfortunately not going to do that. Uh, unfortunately, and the car I currently have, you probably don't want anyway. Um, but if I gave you a car today and you, you praised the Lord for that, that would be appropriate, but easy. You go to walk home tonight, praise the Lord anyway. And believe there'll be a day when you'll be in a car driving somebody home who used to walk because you, you passed it forward and you praised when it was harder so that praising when it's easy is meaningful too. Praise when it's not so easy to praise. When you do that, you find joy. You find joy. And um, I, I'm, I, the scripture is there, but I'm, I'll, I'll give it to you and then I'll go to the third one so we can. So, First Chronicles 15. I encourage you to read it. Um, actually, I'm going to reference it for a moment. Remember, I, we, we talked about Jesus coming into the Mount of Olives and he's actually on a donkey and then the people are singing, Hosanna, Hosanna. There's another time in the Bible when that happens. It's in 1 Chronicles. But it wasn't Jesus, it was the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was coming. David praised and danced. And in the Ark of the Covenant is this box with the Ten Commandments and the law. And he was joyful about something that was judgment. How much more when Jesus, who is our new covenant, the Ark of a new covenant, is walking through the street, should we not dance and be joyful all the more? Not for the law, but for the covenant of grace and the generosity and the love and the affection of God. If he danced, I mean, almost until, well, literally till his clothes fell off. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. We live in a world with more clothes now, and we thank the Lord for it. But should you not dance more for the covenant of grace than the covenant of law, which was unable to save us in the first place? Can you say amen to that? And then finally, pursue better. Uh, pursue better. Um, you are better than the sad version of yourself. Um, what's that TikTok phrase? Just be better? Is that old already? Be better. Somebody uses it often, I can see, and they're being, just be better. It, it, used, it used to say, don't be sorry, be better. But I think it is also good to be sorry. Actually, I'm laughing at TikTok at the moment. Some of the trends are like just hilarious. There's a trend on TikTok, and the challenge is this. Watch this. You're young. You might actually think this is a challenge, but my generation just called it writing. The challenge is to write a word without lifting your pen off the paper. Now, I just want you to know, when I went to school, that was called cursive. It's not a challenge. There's a whole generation of people out there that's able to do it with their eyes closed. It's an extra challenge. The oaks are forming each other. Can you do this? Look, I wrote this long word without lifting the pen off the paper. Cursive, standard two, cursive. Just do it. There's another one, there's another one. It started last month. Apparently, this woman in um, Australia invented it. It's going to blow your mind. New challenge. You go for a walk, but... No, no, do you know about this? You go for a walk, but without earphones. You just go for a walk. 
You go for a walk and you center yourself in silence. I just want you to know, we've been having it for decades now. It was just called life. We didn't have, we, it was just go to school. We, now it's a thing. Now it's like a challenge. Can you just walk for 10, 15, 20 minutes with no music, no phones? You just walk and you observe the environment. And, and then, I'm not even joking, the New York Times did, a, did an article and they, they asked psychologists, if it's good for you. And then the psychologists responded by saying they think it's very good for you if you just took a walk. Are we here now? Is this where we are? Is this where we are, where what we did 30 years ago is a challenge? And what normal able-bodied people are able to do around their own tree at home is like a psychological improvement to your mental health. Is that where we are now? I don't know. How long before we get back to like in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth? Like we've got to go back there and from there. Uh, be better. Um, what I really mean by that is you're allowed to not accept a broken version of yourself and believe in a whole, healed, redeemed version of yourself. You're allowed to believe in good because of God. You're allowed to give yourself permission to do that. You don't have to define yourself by the thing that you're overcoming. You can define yourself by the life that God has put in you. And maybe at some point you just have to stop apologizing for things you can't change and celebrate the things you can and live the life that God has called you to. Last story, I promise. Now I'm five minutes over time. The coffee has to be super good. I don't know if you guys were here last week. Ryan got up, shared some stats about what we're doing around the world. What an awesome story. What an awesome team we have. Honestly, best team anywhere in the world. Trust me. I've been in a lot of places. We have amazing people on this team. But Ryan and I had this little, don't tell him I said this because he doesn't come to the evening service so I can gossip a bit. But he's, he's got good style, that guy. He's got good style, you know. And every time I see he's got something new on, I say, oh, you got a new pair of... And then he'd always tell me how he got it on special. And he likes like name brand stuff, Daniel Hector and Lacoste and all that. And I don't ask questions. But, but I, I said to him, wow, that's an, an eventually I had, I said, can you please just stop apologizing for having a nice pair of shoes on? You don't have to explain that you got something on special. Just say thank you very much and move on. Can you stop apologizing and constantly selling yourself on special like, oh, well, you know, it's just, it's just. And just go, thank you. I am living my best life by God's definition, not by man's definition. And stop apologizing for your existence and start celebrating what God has called you to do. Can you please drink from sweet water and not from bitter water because it's becoming a problem. Can we say amen to that? Yeah. Would you like to stand with me so we could pray? Thank you, Mike. <clears throat> you, know, you know how risky it was for me to title my message Why So Quiet without knowing if the Springboks had won. 
I thought if, if they had not won, I couldn't have, you know, the answer would have been obvious. Well, it's not a good day today, Pastor. But I just had confidence in my heart, Jakes. I, I do, um, I wanted to end with an invitation for you, um, for you to, um, let me reword that. I'd like to offer an opportunity for you to take a heavy burden off. Whatever that looks like for you. If for you it looks like just heaviness, that awkward quietness between you and God or you and you or you and your life. And you don't know how you got there, but it feels like you can't breathe. I want you to know that one of the things Jesus does for you is he anoints you with the oil of gladness and he gives you a new cloak, a garment of praise. So your life is free from, from that dark cloud or um, heavy push against your chest. And I think whatever we're going to do in the next 10 years, we're going to do it with joy in our hearts and drink from sweet water. So if you wouldn't mind, let's close our eyes for a moment and just in this moment of wrapping up, if you're in a space where this needs to be a kind of turning point in some area in your life tonight, I'd be honoured if you'd let me know so that I can pray with you. But also, I need you to do something, like just to get your brain to communicate with your body, to communicate with your soul, like some response. And I won't embarrass you. I'll invite you, firstly, in a moment, to just raise your hand and say, yeah, I'm in a turning moment. And then when the service is over and people are free to hang out, I'll invite you to consider coming to the front for a prayer. But the one action I would like from you is, yeah, that's me. I feel a heaviness and I'm not happy. And I I want God's intervention. If that's where you're at, would you will you raise your hand long enough for me to see it? I just I want to do a prayer. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, I, I don't do it. I don't need to know the thing. I just know what it's doing to you, and what it's doing to you isn't good. So, Lord, uh, for everyone who's raised their hand and everyone who's uh, stood before you vulnerable tonight in this conversation and felt their heart beating in their chest and asking you for a breakthrough or just a break from all of it. Lord, tonight, will you please, by your Holy Spirit, do a mighty work. We need not just information. We need the inspiration and invasion of the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. We don't need a clever analysis. We need the authority of heaven in the person of the Holy Spirit pulling us up out of our uh, 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 paths of habitual patterns and setting us on a new path. Please heal us. Please take the burden off. Please take the heaviness away. Please set the captive free. Please set us at liberty that chains might break off our ankles and we can feel free to be who you called us to be again. Tonight, Lord, will you start something that just gets brighter every day until we wake up every morning with a smile on our face and recognize what a great thing it is to be not just alive, but born again. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, would you give God one more shout of praise and thanksgiving?